but a guinea core. Erin Gaydal Chessis, Minlam, my week at the war, Asacht and Firkin, Folger, Darish, Rumhain, Srefna, Van Kayla. May I say just if I want to, why I want to speak a few words in, in this 5,000 year old language. Uh, it is the language that many of the Irish people who came here, particularly in the great burst of, of uh, arrival between 1860 and 1870, uh, would have had. Many of them were Irish speakers, particularly from the west of Ireland and particularly from County Clare. So, is Ocot Firhovak Dakdom Hain, Agas Ocot Creel Arvalak, Gawil Mid Valian Shah, Agas is Intokan. Ahas a hagan sha aram hitam hain, agamil shansam, kasu le kuluder neher in a kvalia maratoshi de warren. It is such a great pleasure to be here and to have the opportunity of to thank you for the warm reception that's been and I have received, but also to say what a great privilege it is. And I, I do want to thank the ambassador, Noel, Noel White, who has been so helpful on this trip for. for uh, stressing uh, how important uh, this occasion is to me uh, alongside others. Uh, before, in every occasion as well, and bearing in mind the circumstances that we're talking to the descendants of those who came and who made lives here, it is very important that I begin as I have begun in every speech so far since I came to Australia by acknowledging the first occupants of this land who for tens of thousands of years negotiated with its possibilities and its challenges, developed one of the oldest cultures in the world, uh, one that valued symmetry with nature, ancient wisdom and practical balances, and therefore I acknowledge their, the elders, past, present, and their descendants. I think Warwick is incredibly important for a number of reasons. Uh, I, 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 one, some, one of them, I think, is uh, because by 1891, at the end of the 19th century, this is just about 45 years after the Gorthamore, the Great Famine of Ireland. It had, Warwick had 32% of its population who were born in Ireland. And in fact, in 1860 to 1863, in three years, 25,000 people arrived uh, in Warwick. And this was very, very significant because uh, uh, for, for many reasons, I could, uh, I'm, I, this is additional to my speech, so there's a great advantage to the media travel with me. You have an immense advantage because they are all uh, check against delivery. Because as new facts occur to me from the different places I've spoken, or if I have looked back on my notes, I can remember some points. But I think it's about 1850, that Queensland gets its independence. About 1860, it elects its first legislature. And the first debate they have is about how they're going to use the land. So they discuss immigration, they discuss land, and they discuss a whole series of other issues, particularly in relation to transport and the importance of railways. But two years later, when in fact my, uh, when my grandfather's brother and sister Mary uh, Patrick Higgins uh, and Mary Ann arrive. In that block of years between 1860 and 1863, 25,000 people come. And they are, I think, replying very much to the promoted scheme of the Queensland Immigration Society. 
had such a significant role. There was also another to it as well, because some of people, particularly in that very fine book, uh, uh, the, the Tyranny of Distance, there's a reference to the Queen's London, not only had, they, they had come a very, very long distance, but even when they arrived in Brisbane, for example, and coming by Draycart and walking, they took the places where they would make, the, uh, make their homes, uh, there were people of, of, of incredible courage. And that's why great I, I, I'm so moved about it. Uh, for example, in the case of the people gathered here today, are very many of the descendants of three people in particular. Uh, Patrick Higgins, and, um, who came with his sister Marianne. He was 22 years old. She was just gone 23. Uh, one of them would have been 10 years old during the famine. And the, the, uh, Marianne would have, uh, would have been 12 years old. Uh, as well as that, they would be joined very, very so therefore, Patrick Higgins' descendants are here, in so many of them. So are Mary Ann's, who married John Cleary. And I think then as well as that, later then, between 1863 and 1875, um, of that family of Higgins's of seven, say, which was untypical really, five of the seven would have made their way to, uh, to, to Warwick. I think What's very, very important as well is to remember the circumstances of the families from which they left. The famine had ravaged Ireland. A million people had died of hunger, hunger-related diseases, illnesses. It was always important, as we are so far away, to speak the truth about it. An unavoidable and unnecessary famine, as food was being exported from the country as people died, and people were made the victims of an economic ideology which suggested that the market shouldn't be interfered with. There were other wilder and offensive suggestions as well, that it had been an act of God, and so forth. At any event, this, these circumstances, if you put yourself of the 25,000 I mentioned, a great number are from County Clare, and that is part of the significance of the effect, I think, upon Henry Quinn's connection. But if you, then you have to understand it, that County Clare at that particular time of a family is that fleeing out of the country is probably their very their only their only prospect. And I think it's sometimes today I think of the younger people and I met a lovely young man from Roscommon today who's here somewhere. There are people I met this morning uh, from all over the west of Ireland and they're from a new generation. I so want to wish them well as well because this area here, Warwick, has a very particular Irish connection. I think here, uh, when speaking to that young man as well, I think we encourage there are now 90,000 people who were born in Ireland who are living in Australia. Uh, as well as that, there are over 2 million who claim uh, Irish heritage. But getting to the real point, those who are coming today, they may have a, a better opportunity of staying in touch uh, by way of community, by the new technology. And it's so important that that is available to them. But I think uh, uh, nothing ever answers the question of separation. Remember that the people who had come uh, from County Clare, my, 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 my granduncle had a significant advantage insofar he was as a ploughman. But then again, equally, his sister, who works as a seamstress, um, w w w had uh, equally a skill, but equally her, her language, 
I believe at the time was Irish because that's what's recorded in the marriage certificate of her self to John Cleary. I think this is for me, I have to say as well, not kind of a, a sad occasion, but it's a very powerful, important occasion for making contact with all the members of, of I as president, I've always stressed that the Irish family is a family that's scattered all over the world and I want to be president of all of the Irish. But also as well as that, something very incredible. It's very easy now to look back at the great success stories that so many of the descendants of the Irish who came at that period of time had. There were many others who suffered greatly. Say in 1881, for example, in one of the families I mentioned, uh, uh, three people died within a few months of each other, in fact within a few weeks of each other, of influenza, for which there wasn't a cure at the time. And equally then later, people would die, uh, some, some mothers died young in childbirth. Uh, others, they had a hard life, uh, and I think it's important to recognise that hard life. There were people who had come from hard circumstances, but who were now taking on an extraordinary challenge. So before I say anything else, I congratulate all of their descendants. And I congratulate all of the people who helped them, and I express my gratitude to those who were of assistance to them uh, in any way. Now, why are we here as well? I was very pleased yesterday, this, to this evening and to this morning, to have the opportunity of being able to hear further stories because all these stories are the real social history of Ireland, of how people did different things, moved. Remember that in relation to moving, for example, from, uh, from breaking the land, my granduncle was a plowman, he said, I am a tiller of the soil. But there are also great stories, stories of, for example, about the impact of horses in relation to farming, the shifts in cattle to sheep, and so forth, and all of that. But I think uh, what is very, very uh, important in it all, too, was the way in which they are Australians now making a great life, but they are always anxious to retain uh, their Irish connection. I sometimes think, and it was maybe the most moving part of my preparing my notes for today's meeting, I have been concerned for many, many decades about a, a research finding I was interested in. I remember doing some work with, in my other life as a sociologist with an interest in migration and using Kirby Miller's letters, the letters from America sent home from the Irish in America, and looking for the letters from Australia. And the letters from Australia are missing in a way that is very, very significant. The two great bodies of letters of migrants all over the world are the letters from the Polish community of the great work of Thomas and Naniecki, the Polish pe peasant in Europe and America, and then there are Kirby Miller and all of the others who have made such great use of the letters from North America. There is a four block of letters that, uh, that, has, that have been done uh, that are from Trinity Court. David Fitzpatrick looked at four big batches of letters from, uh, uh, from Irish families. But there's a very human reason. First of all, the, the, the people who came to places like Warwick were not going into cities like counterparts in the United States. They were going to very remote areas. It would cost sixpence to send a letter, and but 100,000 letters a month came from Australia to Ireland and back. But sometimes it would take eight months for the letter to arrive. But 
much more importantly, and I said the reason that moved me very much was that people were having people. Some people were dying very young. In the case of my uncle Patrick, whose grave I visited as well, he died at 38 years of age. Uh, and again, there are others who died even younger. There's a granddad, my great granddad, who died at 23 years of age within a few months after arriving, and so forth. People didn't want to write home with the stories about people who had died. And equally, back in Ireland, things were changing, and many more had died as well. So people were, didn't want to write back the bad news out to, to Australia and so forth. So it is incredibly important, this visit of an Irish president, to be able to say, I am sorry for that broken conviction with all those families. They must have really felt sometimes, what's happening back in Ireland? Have we lost connection? And, and so forth. And equally in Ireland, I do know from personal experience and talking to families that they often wondered to what happened to their families away in Australia. And I am so pleased in this period for such a long while to have been able to meet uh, Irish people who are Australians but always Irish as well and meeting them in Perth and Canberra and Melbourne and Hobart and Sydney and here in Warwick and I will meet some people in Brisbane as well and all of that is incredibly important the rebonding of Irishness if there is to be new communications and whatever and we'll use them better there's nothing we can do about the letters that didn't come but there's an awful lot we can do about building our relationships. And I have said to several people uh, that from the meetings I've had with premiers, meetings I've had with officials and agencies, there, it's full of opportunities for the future. I've been very happy that I've had Enterprise Ireland, the IDA and Tourism Ireland with me, and we have been developing, um, thinking of new opportunities for Australia and Europe, and for, for Ireland and Europe in, through Australia uh, in Asia. I also think that there's something very, very important as well. As I went through the different graveyards here last this morning and yesterday, you'll see practically a whole lexicon of, of Irish names. They're all there, the Ryans and the Fitzpatricks and the Blakes and so forth. And what you do can see, uh, in a way, is uh, what you can construct the social history uh, from the years in which they were born and the years in which they died. I think as well, very much in, in terms of, for example, of the life that was coming, uh, the, the great spaces of Australia that needed the railways to be built. And indeed, one of them, that, that is part of the how that was done with great difficulty. I've mentioned that my, my, my uncle, who was working on the railway company, uh, died at the age of 38. But 38 is also the age at which another famous person died, and that is Thomas Burns, who made a profound contribution to Australian society. He was a representative for Warwick in the Legislative Assembly before becoming the first Roman Catholic Premier of Queensland. There's no doubt he died at 
the age of 38, having spent just five months in office. And here you had again the loss of somebody due, if you like, to the medical information that was available at the time, at a very, very young age. But he lived on as an inspiring example of triumph over difficult origins, humble origins, and political ideals that he established that made an important contribution to Australia. I think the people of Australia, for those of us who have spent most of our lives in Ireland, they have always been our people in a special way. And in the difficult circumstances to which I have been referring, Irish people coming to Australia, they've been coming in different circumstances with different purposes. They came, for example, some of them, deprived as they were of opportunities in legal profession, and they entered the legal profession and made such a distinguished contribution. They made it to the university. John Henry Plunkett, distinguished prosecutor of the first trial, first trial of those who had massacred indigenous people at Mile Creek. Also, there is, of course, William Hearn, from one of the founding members of Melbourne University. There's Bark and all of these. They're, they are there right across, if you like, the professional side of the early European-influenced Australia. And then there are, of course, those who came with the great works of Thomas Kennelly and Robert Hughes and others to tell us of those who were transported. About one and eighth of all those transported as convicts from Great Britain and Ireland were from Ireland. And then there was, I've had the opportunity on this visit, excuse me being so long about it this time because I'm coming towards the end of the trip after Brisbane I leave for, for New Zealand. Well, one of the things that's very important is the way we've been able to recover these stories. Now in Hobart there are four statues to the convict women who came home, came out of the sea at three or four in the morning and waded their way to their imprisonment. I've been able to celebrate as well the women in Sydney, the 4,114 girls, aged between 14 and 24, none more than 25, no one aged 25, who in fact were, who came because the gender balance of the new colony was seen to be uh, imperiled. And then there are those who came when there were contractions in the Irish construction industry, more recent times, particular to Western Australia. And then there are all the graduates who have come, this magnificent, highly talented, educated population. So many of them have chosen Australia, and many of them have come back again to Ireland. And one great thing about it is they never say that they didn't like Australia. It might have been relationships of the father, the mother. They have now decided they have children. They want a particular kind of education. But they never, and it isn't only the weather they're talking about, they will say, it was great in Australia, but I felt I had to come home. And this will be the way of the future, where there will be circulatory migration between our great nations and between our great countries. May I take this opportunity as well of thanking those, of all of those who went ahead and prepared this rather extensive visit of mine to Australia. I very much appreciate their efforts, and those who have been assisting me on the ground. But above all else, may I thank those who have been giving such a very warm reception and who have been attending these, these events. I was talking to some people in, in Australia uh, in advance of, about uh, what, in fact, might be appropriate. And they said they want decent, substantial speeches.
If you've come a long distance, there isn't much value in standing up and saying, I'm not going to delay you long. In, much, in many ways, really, we have delayed too long with coming to Australia and deepening our relationships. Much as well, I have to say, uh, of, of any of the information of locally in Warwick that I've received, it is from relations of my own as well. And particularly, I want to thank Mary Higgins and Tom Higgins and really all of those who, in, other than those as well, who have been writing to me. I want to say what a privilege it is to be here, here among the Irish in Warwick with such a long, long connection with Warwick and who picked Warwick out of the great continent that was Australia in which to make their contribution. It has been a privilege to be with all of their descendants who have done their own scattering through different parts of this continent. But it has also been something so very, very important for again and again, at the end of any of my speeches, it has been saying, we are migrant people with a migrant consciousness. And indeed, the magnificent homily we had this morning, which suggested is that really why we are sensitizing ourselves about all of these issues is so that we will have open hearts and clear minds and take good decisions about receiving those who are today fleeing from hunger, famine, violence, and so forth. And they are the same, they are the same humans on this planet as were our people at that time, as are our people now, because there are many people in the near history who would have loved to have been nearer home. But we're always moving, and we move with that concern, which is a profound moral concern. May I thank all of you. Mila Buikas, I'll finish as I began. We mavuikas liver father sacht any any dram no any dinner a vikarak like eatsan a diaktiashtal. Agas kuim ragas panakt aritan tawa kikuis. I thank anyone who was of assistance to anybody in difficulty over the long history of any of these circumstances. I know that you will have the same view to those who will come in the future, and I want to wish good health and blessing on everything that you will do together and that the stamp of the world that you will be, the stamp of the Irish that you will put on your circumstances will be one that is profoundly Irish and profoundly ethical. Garamila Mahaki, thank you.